On today's show, hear us say... The unique way of drawing a Japanese bow, starting with uh, pushing your forward arm and pulling your backward arm at the same time in an arc. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. We're back. I yes, feel like... Back. I, I feel like that's kind of a threat. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been having so much fun with Cayudo that we're going to keep it going for just one more podcast here. Excellent. Yes. We're all still here. Say hi, Landon. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Sensei Jackie. Hi, everyone. And you guys have to remember Sensei Jim. He's almost a mainstay now. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? Thanks for having me back, Sensei. Oh, my gosh. What a pleasure this has been for all of us. Sensei, let's start off this episode by reminding everyone to go and listen to our other archery episodes. They're super fun and very entertaining. But what's even more entertaining and fun, our YouTube video. We're at Wildcat Dojo on YouTube, and you'll be able to see bows, and you'll be able to see arrows, and we went through and talked all about the history of archery. Yeah, the timeline of, of the history of archery. And what's interesting is it, we did it live, guys. Us. So every mistake is right there for you to see. <laughs> and we were like, ooh. And a little caveat. Around next week, we'll be live on YouTube doing black belt promotions. So tune in. Tune in. You can catch that link off Twitter. You can get it off Facebook. That's an exciting event. Very exciting. Thanks, Landon. Us. Okay, every subject that we have ever tackled turned out to be so much bigger than we thought it was going to be when we first started, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and if they want to tell us which episodes they like the best, or if they think we talk too much. <laughs> well, they would be wrong if, we, if they said that we do. <laughs> or how to improve, or they want to be a guest on the show. I'm just saying, what if they want to be a sponsor? That would be awesome. Please, Landon, again, hog out and tell them how. You can find us all over the web at Wildcat Jojo on Facebook, Twitter, our webpage, wildcatjojo.com, and our YouTube page, Wildcat Dojo. You can also send us an email at dojoconversations at aol.com. Again, thanks. Yes. It's sad that Landon is the voice of reason and memory in this podcast, <laughs> right? I'm glad we have someone that is. <laughs> we left off after the history and the growth of Cayudo. For literally centuries. Yes. Oh, it was a great episode. Sensei. I don't have a favorite part, but I must say the part that's sticking in my head is eleven to 13,000 arrows shot in a day. I, I just think about the so shoulders. I can't get past the shoulders. What it would do to your shoulders. Like, ow. <laughs> Did you have a favorite part, Sensei Jim? Um, just, just the whole history of it, the way it evolved from the beginning, from day one. <laughs> well, and I also like the intertwining of the philosophy and the growth internally as the archer grew. I thought that was pretty um, yes. cool. Us. Right? Mm-hmm. Us. So why we wanted to have an entire episode here is because the art of Cayudo is separated into eight steps. Mm. And we want to have time to talk about each one of those steps. Okay, I think we've bored them enough, so let's get started. For Sen sure. <laughs> Sensei Jackie? I'll be glad to go first, Sensei. I was thinking when I first read the steps that it might seem that eight is just too many parts. But when you connect it to the attitude that they are striving for, it actually makes a lot of sense. That's so interesting. Yeah, I agree. And also, before we start the round-robin process, it's important to note that there is no separation between the eight parts. It just 
flows. I like the way you said just flows and say like flow is an easy element to add in movement. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the whole thing. After our elements episode, Us. we know that this is not just flows, right? No, right. but they can go and listen back to our elements episode. Any of the five. It's a big subject, Sensei. Oh, by the way, one of the things I really liked reading was where they said the eight parts of the shooting ritual are represented by a bamboo pole with eight joints. Each joint could be on its own, but together they make the whole. You know what that reminds me of, Sensei Jim? It reminds me of your quote from the last episode where one arrow is easily breakable, but 10 in a quiver is so solid. Uh, yeah, I thought that as so well. Over and over again, we were proving these points that, you know, strength and unity. Unity, I love that. Yeah, way to go. Okay, start me out with the actual first step. First, there is footing. It is known in Japanese as ashibumi. I read that this sets the stage for the archer to train both body and mind. I should say, but at the same time, they don't really talk about the division of your weight in the footing, do they? I didn't find anything about the division of the weight, but I did watch more than one YouTube video and it absolutely looks like it's a 50-50 weight division, which is not only what we all do, but what we also teach. Us. Has that been your experience as well, Jim? Yes. Nice and balanced. Yes, absolutely. You don't want to be leaning forward or back and and you don't want your body moving, but now I'm ahead of myself. And they they told us in camp that what a lot of kids would do is they would have their feet equally planted, but they would be a little bit lean back or lean forward. Again, you're ahead too, because you're on oh, the torso, sorry. right? No, that's exactly it. See, it's all one thing together uh, and it all boils down to that nice, wonderful cheap pocket. But I, now I'm really <laughs> teasing the audience <laughs> and taking my lines. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on. Shall we sensei Jackie? Uh, sensei. After that, the shooter forms the torso. The Japanese term is dozukuri. Throughout the process, proper posture is needed. The shooter should be tall and strong, yet the shoulders should not be tense, and all energy should be kept in the chi pocket, known as the tanden. We all know from our own experience, again, that keeping your power in your chi pocket, keeping your chi pocket engaged in life, it's easy to become distracted from doing that. For sure. And draw your energy up into your shoulders and your neck by accident. Us. You have to just be aware of when you're feeling that tension and let it go. And uh, Yes, yeah, so that's it. You just have to be aware of good advice. Be aware uh, of it constantly. <laughs> constantly. I try, to, I try to do it when I'm sitting at home or working. And an archer that we all know, not too long ago passed away, Tony Amarigi, gave me some of the best advice specific to archery, not so much about the chi pocket, but the torso and archery. He said, rather than opening up your chest, think about pressing your shoulder blades together. Oh. Yeah. And it was great advice because it made pulling the bow so fantastic because it engaged those trapezius muscles. It's true. Oh, and the it. way he did it when, when I was with him is he just touched me mm-hmm. between right. my shoulder blades and automatically mm-hmm. I drew toward his hand. That's right. So interesting. Isn't that cool? That's a great little piece of advice. Yes. Thank you, Sensei Amarigi, and rest in peace, my man. Okay. okay. Oh, you're up, Sensei Jim. Us. Next comes the process of readying the bow called Yugame, and this is followed by raising the bow, known as Ushi o Koshi. Hmm. All the names are very interesting. So when I shoot, 
I come from top down. That's how I like it. Most people come from bottom up. But after I put the arrow in, I start a little bit above my head and draw down and back towards my shoulders. It's not a one size fits all thing. This is really my opinion. So if you're out there and I'm completely wrong because you're an expert archer, you can absolutely get in touch with me. I would love good advice. I don't I don't think I do much of a movement. I think I, I straight out put the arrow and it's out and then just turn. You know, you I knock the arrow and I don't then bow. Have much of a rotation. And I think that it depends on where I wear my quiver. If I wear the quiver high and I pull from the top, I might come from the top down. But if I wear a waist quiver and I knock low, I would come up. So there you go. Yeah. But us. anyway, we're already to the draw, Landon. Yes. The next step is drawing the bow, which is called Kiki Wake. And it is followed by a part that I really admire. And I know Sensei Jay admire, admires it too. Holding the bow at full draw called Kai. Yeah. Have you ever held the bow at full draw? Not for very long. I've done it on a bow that has a lot of pressure and it's hard. Yeah, it's I've hard done it too it back. because that's part of the process. And I'm going to give Master Collegian, gosh, 97% of the credit for everything I know about archery. I've certainly shot since I was young, but because he was an instinctive shooter, which we didn't talk a lot about in this podcast, and that means you don't spend a lot of time up and down and up and down aiming at the bullseye. You feel the center and you go uh, for it as opposed to an aim shooter. Okay. So I think that's part of that instinctive shooting that uh, pulls it full draw. And I think that's part of why in the Japanese tradition, you're not judged so much on how many times you hit, but on the process, which we'll get to in a few minutes as well. Right, guys? That's insane. Now, Sensei, going to what you said about holding the draw, the Japanese created special gloves. And during the Edo period for protection, they invented these gloves to allow the thumb to be used. And that is the precursor to gloves worn for Cayudo today. So what you're saying is different than how we shoot in Cayudo, they use the thumb, the index finger, and the pointer finger to hold the bows. And they pull back that way. And that's how they do the shot, as opposed to we, who shoot recurves in America, use the same three fingers with no fun, with no fun, with no thumb, the same three fingers with no thumb, and we use the center of the first joint to hold the bow, not actually all the way to the joint, because you don't want to have any reverberation on the bowstring when you let it go. There has to be ease when you let it go and smoothness so that it goes in the path that you sent it. Us. Um, at the end of this podcast, when we have our interview with Sensei Mark, because he did do this archery for a while, the Japanese style, maybe he'll know something about that and he can share. Oh, I'd like to know that. Teaser. Okay. There's two more parts, right? The release is called Hanare. And this has to be done with a calm spirit. And then after that comes a part called the remaining spirit which is known as Zan Shin and described as unwavering state of mind. And really from all this, can't you just see the intensity of the inner person? Yes. In all uh, this? Yes. Sensei sure. Jim? Yes. I do like the uh, Zan Shin. For me, that's uh, lingering awareness. Good here. way to put it. Zan Shin, I teach it a lot. And 
at the end of a kata, you know, we finish up and then sometimes you kind of look to the left, you look to the right. You're done, but you're not done, you know? You're still aware, you're looking for another attacker. Hmm, I, I think, think that's awesome. The way I explain it to my class sometimes is have you ever seen a cat uh, toying with a, a lizard or a bird or something that it's caught? It'll like grab it and then it'll just sit there with its paw up looking at it, just waiting for it to move again. And if it does, it hits it again with its paw. I don't know if that was explained correctly, but... Uh, no, you did great with yeah. that. I love that. That, experience. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> explanation. Thanks. Okay, Cynthia, Jackie, what do you got for me? Well, they finish by mentioning that obsession with hitting the target causes a distraction, and this leads to more mistakes. The idea of looking toward the end, causing you not to concentrate on what you're doing. We've certainly mentioned that in a lot of our podcast episodes, haven't we? For yes. sure. Live in the millisecond. Difficult uh, to do in the best of times, let alone in stress-filled times, right? Us. Us. But I really like that, Sensei, about hitting the target causes distraction, and this leads to more mistakes. Or obsessing I mean, with that. Obsessing with it, yeah. Yes. So although we never sat down and divided all of our shooting into eight parts, we certainly could because we go through all the same parts as the Japanese archers do, right? Us. That's right. But that takes us back to uh, one year, one kata, mm-hmm. so that they learn each part uh, so slowly, and then they integrate it with the other parts. That was a style of learning where we have a tendency to lump it all together and try to learn it all at one time. Yeah, we have not the patience. That's right. I mean, that's just the way it is. And by we, we could mean modern people. You know, that's just how it goes, right? And that is the style of 2020. Okay. Before we get to the part with Sensei Mark, which I am looking forward to, I would like, Sensei Jim, for you to help me out by adding a couple of the pointers from the IKYF site. Sure, Sensei. One of the things they say is your main competitor is yourself. And I think we all know that through our karate training. Yeah. How many times do we say that in karate training? Us. I've heard that. Many. All the time. We're not saying that competition isn't healthy. Competition is healthy for the fact that it builds in you the ability to take risk. It's true. Yes. Okay. What else did they say, Cincy Jim? They also say that the instructor judges progress by your process, not your result. Ah. And in some of the archery books we've read over the years, we've had the instructor actually say to the different student, focus on the process. And that is, again, such a difficult thing to do in daily life, isn't it, guys? Uh, sure. It's difficult. <laughs> okay, they and, got one more, don't they, Sensei? Yes. And finally, their mission is to contribute to and allow for spiritual growth through the repetition of the ritual. That kind of takes us back to the episode we did on Ru, Do, and Jutsu, and that balancing act of internal growth and technical skill. It's a balancing act, isn't it? Yes. And in one of the episodes earlier, we'll, we did it, and I'll do it again. Hats off. And a salute to Sensei Brown for saying a karate man's pride is his balance. That's right. Sensei, I didn't know that came from Sensei Brown. Oh, yes. Okay, let's push on. I can't believe it's already time in the podcast to mention Honor Athletics. Honor Athletics, of course. We would love for you to support them at honorathletics.com. Or call them, the best way to talk, 770-945-5150. It is the best way to talk. Talking via text, talking via email, meh. It's easier, but not better. Sometimes it's harder. And mention Wildcat Dojo on checkout for two reasons. A, a 10% discount, and B, 
then I get credit for the fact that you went there. And I can't tell you how much I would appreciate that. Okay. Now we are at the end of the program. And I was lucky enough to interview my friend and student, Sensei Mark. He took some Cayudo classes and he shared that experience with me. And here is the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Sensei. Hi, Sensei. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited about this interview. So I have a few questions for you, but is there anything you want to say before I start asking my questions? Oh, uh, certainly. It was a very unique situation. I was very fortunate to be able to find it here in Ohio. The teachers there is a husband and wife. They actually purchased this house exclusively to make it into a Kyudo school. Wow. How long did you go with them? I was with them for nine months. Were there a number of students in the dojo? There was three total students. Okay, give us the lowdown on what it was like. Okay, there was nothing like it that, I, that I've seen before or since. And the first four months of practice was learning how to put on a hakama and how to tie an obi and how to walk in a square. How you held your chin, how you positioned your hips over your feet, what angles you bowed at. They had little sticky notes on the walls in different corners saying, there's always a shrine here you bow to. And it was no holding a bow or arrow or anything, just with your fists at your side learning how to walk in a square and, and bow at the right angles, which was surprisingly difficult. The timing, the breathing, when your breath goes in, when your breath goes out, everything was very precise. Uh, so it wasn't until after those four months that I even got to handle a training tool. There was a tool they called a gomiyumi, so a rubber bow, which was like a stick with an elastic band on it that you use instead of actually holding a bow. And you would learn how to hold that and position your stance. And the unique way of drawing a Japanese bow starting with uh, pushing your forward arm and pulling your backward arm at the same time in an arc. It was very ceremonial, very, very beautiful, and very specifically regimented. And I haven't seen anything like that before. Okay, so these are some amazing things. So did you get to shoot? I never got to shoot a bow. They explained to me that this is not unusual. It's often two years or more before you get to shoot a bow. I'd got plenty of training in with the, the practice rubber bow and holding arrows, because the way that they hold the arrow is also very unique. When one arrow is knocked into the bow, the other arrows are held with your bottom two fingers in your mm -hmm. drawing hand hanging downward. So I didn't, I didn't feel too bad about it. Huh. You don't use your instructor's bow. There might be, in Japanese schools, some school bows you can use, but it's expected that you have a bow of your own, because the bow, all the equipment is highly personalized. Mm -hmm. uh, even the shooting gloves, the, the kote, the special shooting gloves, I had to get mine custom made in Japan, and it's considered disrespectful to even look inside of another person's shooting glove, let alone wow. touch it. So the equipment is very personalized, and taking care of it is a, is a, a very important part of the practice. Did they get into the care of the bow at all? They did, and the, the, the notion of it was quite scary, um, because apparently sometimes the bows will just break while you're shooting them. Uh, this is not considered a bad thing. They, they said, oh, you know, the, the bow has used its energy and is releasing its energy back. So even though these bows can cost thousands of dollars and take years to make, apparently they can sometimes break no matter how good you're taking care of them. And there's, a, I would say, about as much time taking care of our equipment as it was actually using it. If you had the opportunity and time worked itself out, would you do it again? I definitely think I would. It is something that requires a bit of a financial investment, which is certainly a barrier for a lot of people. And if anyone has the opportunity to give it a try, I would highly recommend it, especially if there may be some uh, a way that there is a rental equipment or, or some way to borrow some. Right. So 
from what I saw on YouTube, they use their thumb and their pointer finger and their index finger to draw back while the arrows hang in the other two fingers. Am I getting that correct? Yes. Yes. So that's it's a, it's a thumb draw. how we draw. Right. Now, was that easy to get used to? I found it was, I found it was fairly easy for me. This style is, is actually easier once you put the glove on because the way the gloves are made, there is a wooden carved notch piece on the inside of the thumb that the bowstring fits in very snugly. So once I put the glove on to practice, it sort of made sense. The glove was designed to close a certain way and it sort of trained your hand. But I found it was very easy. I also found it was a lot less stressful on my, on my arm and on my shoulder in general. The wrist is very relaxed and the shoulder is very relaxed and one should be relaxed when shooting no matter what. But this way it sort of forced you into relaxation somewhat. Nice. And it was, uh, it was, it was very comfortable. And that drawing pattern is fairly easy. I would recommend giving that a try, even with a Western bow, because I think it still works. Hmm. Thanks for that. Well, frankly, thanks for everything. It was exactly what I was hoping to learn. So thank you for that. Well, thank no, thank you for the opportunity. It's it's, it's great to talk to you as always, and, and it's fantastic to talk about, about the archery. And that's our interview with Sensei Mark. That was really something, right, guys? Oh, wow. wow. Thank you so much, Sensei Mark. Thank you so much, Sensei Mark. It was really awesome to learn from you. So that's it. Time to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, we're saying goodbye. Okay, Sensei Jim, there's no way this is the last time you're on the show because we already have a book episode planned. That's and right. I believe we have that planned for mid-December recording, don't you guys? I think we do, Sensei. But I can't tell you how much fun it was having you here today, Sensei Jim. It was great for me too, Sensei. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. See you very soon. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week. And I'm signing off for today. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.